Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the only podcast in the world that covers Long Beach State Athletics. This is the LB Fee Show. We are getting to the end of the athletic year, but there are still more things to settle. And we're talking everything beach athletics today. Obviously, this show is hosted by the562.org, which is myself, JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Gardabasio, and uh, we have been covering a ton of Long Beach State lately. Lots of big storylines. Excited to talk about those. Uh, Do stick around later in the show. We've got Crystal Washington, the record holder at Long Beach State in the triple jump. She and her team are getting ready to head to UC Davis for the Big West Championships, and then hopefully on into the NCAAs beyond that. Uh, But we've got a ton of NCAA stuff to talk about. We can't talk about any of it without uh, Andy Fee. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Exciting, as you said. Championship season is here. Are you a good news or bad news first guy, Andy? Which one do you like? I go with the bad news first. Okay. Really? You're like Mr. Good News. You're the most good news administrator I have ever known at any level. (laughs) Finish finish on the up. I I like it, Andy. Finish on a positive note. There it is. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Saturday, Poly Pavilion, UCLA, Long Beach State men's volleyball, reaching the national championship yet again. They just live in that Final Four at this point. But the young boys took a loss to Hawaii. Obviously a great season. All all the cliches you say at the end there. Uh, Andy, obviously you were with that team every step of the way. What was the weekend like for you, starting, of course, with that absolutely epic victory over UCLA in the semifinal? Yeah, it was uh, the best of times and the worst of times at the end of uh, the weekend. So, you know, the, 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 the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, it, it was an amazing weekend. And, you know, the match against UCLA was unbelievable. I mean, I, I don't I've watched and been a part of a lot of games and matches in my career and I've seen comebacks. You know, it's not like I haven't seen a comeback before, but I don't know if I've seen a comeback of that nature. Um, you know, a, a, a great team you're down to, I mean, and that's the thing like volleyball and tennis, like when you're down two sets to come back and win is it's so hard. <laughs> I mean, it's so hard because you got to get to that fifth set. So, you know, it was amazing, you know, positive energy, all that. And, and to get yourself to play for another championship is, is unbelievable, you know, talking with Alan, you know, the, the problem is it's like, once you've tasted gold, it's tough. It's tough to, it's not that you don't appreciate silver, but it's tough because you know, you can get gold, you've gotten gold, you want gold. And so, you know, it's just reminding yourself, you know, we didn't get the gold, but it was one heck of a season. And what that team did to get to that game and that match on Saturday was unbelievable. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on Thursday. First of all, uh, I've been covering Long Beach State Sports with JJ for 15 years. He was covering it while we were at the student paper for a couple of years before that, and I was sort of plugged in with him. I have never seen any crazier contest than the that Final Four with UCLA. I mean, I mean, it, it was just because you can't oversell, and I literally was texting JJ and Tyler in the fifth set, Andy, it's going to sound like I'm exaggerating how bad things looked in the first two sets. And I will not be exaggerating. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was, you know, it was such a challenge. And then to win the fourth set against UCLA at UCLA 25, 10, 
need to force a fifth set and then end up pulling out a nail biter fifth set. I mean, it really was insane. And I, I told Alan afterwards, you know, UCLA coach John Spiro was, he was crushed. I mean, he looked like just absolutely drained. And Alan said, he's like, you know, it's, that stuff between us, it's like obviously the Long Beach and Hawaii rivalry, probably the biggest rivalry in the sport right now. But there's something about that Long Beach State UCLA rivalry across all sports and across generations. Um, you have the two, you know, most recent national team coaches coaching against each other. If you look at the uh, Bali Nations League roster that came out, like half the freaking roster on the national teams, Long Beach State and UCLA guys. And, um, and there's just so much pressure around it. A, a lot of the top guys at UCLA picked UCLA over Long Beach State. A lot of the top guys at Long Beach State picked Long Beach over UCLA. Um, and it really did feel like, you know, not to be cliche because of the way Saturday went, but it really did feel like a championship match. And I just think there's just no question that that was a big part of Saturday uh, that, it's just hard to bounce back up 36, 48 hours after a match like that and go, now we've got to play our best volleyball of the year for the national championship, especially with such a young team. It took a lot of energy to get that victory on Thursday night. And yeah, you'd like to just say, you know, rinse, repeat, hit the button, reset, start again. And it's not to make excuses, but I mean, again, the energy that it took physically and emotionally to win in five, I just, I know people are sitting there going, yeah, Andy, I know it was tough. I just don't think they really know how, I mean, if you play or coach the game, you're looking at that going, how did they do that at UCLA? I mean, it's not like this is a neutral court deal. And right. UCLA's record at UCLA is unbelievable in that final four. I don't know. I can't remember. It's some 32 and three or something like that. Yeah. And this Long Beach state team, because the match at UCLA this year was played in the wooden center. These kids had not played in the poly pavilion. before. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> and the crazy thing is of those three losses, two of them are to us, you know, right. Thursday night. And then in 2018, that's but, crazy. Uh, it, it really is a credit and it's not to make excuses because Hey, life is what life is. And you got to answer the bell each and every time. We just didn't perform well enough. Um, it's not for lack of effort. We just didn't get it done. I don't know. I think our block just wasn't there for whatever reason. And we know let's, you know, next year, we're, you know, we want to be right back where we are. I think we can be. It's not to look too far ahead or get in that. But, you know, most of the team's back. Got some really great recruits coming in. Um, it's a young team that's learning. And uh, I think for years ahead, knock on wood, everybody stays healthy, et cetera. It's going to be a really fun ride next three, you know, three, four, five years. Andy, hang with me. I've got a question at the end of this story. So after the match, uh, I just want to say, so Alex Nikolov, obviously an incredible talent, obviously. When you're that talented in sports, you're not really used to losing, let alone getting swept, but just losing in general. So after that match, after the team huddle, uh, Nikolov was visibly and audibly upset for obvious reasons. Alan Knipe took the time to pull him aside and pull him back into the huddle with the other team, with the team and his other teammates uh, to kind of settle things down for lack of a better term. I think that is phenomenal coaching because of all the things happening in that moment, Alan Knipe had the wherewithal to find his star who was struggling with what happened and bring him back, pull him back to the group. Do you think that his, 
attention to detail, let's say, is the biggest reason why Alan Knipe has been successful at Long Beach State. And obviously, specifically with the recruiting classes and the level of talent that he's been able to get so quickly. Is it the watering the green spots that makes Knipe's program one of the best in the nation? I think so. And, and it's the focus because, and this is not to, to, to speak ill of other coaches, but most coaches, at, you know, you're just shocked at that point. You're just like, what just happened? And you're just distracted. You know, I think it's just, you're trying to process it. It's difficult. And so in the moment, like you said, to be able to focus and understand what's happening, what's literally happening, the frustration and all of those things, you know, that's unbelievable. And Alex wants to win. I mean, he said it. he wants to, he want to win four national championships. You know, he's not interested in maybe winning one, uh, have a shot. He wanted to win four national championships. And so it's tough, you know, he's 18 years old to process that. And, but at the same time, it's life. And to kind of get him back in the moment, you know, it's not easy. And I think those are the things that Alan is really good at. And he's really aware of and has that focus on what's happening. You know, it's like when you run into an accident, you know, most people just can't, what, well, I don't what happened? What do I do? You know, I don't, I don't, Alan has that ability to slow things down and process things piece by piece by piece. And, you know, he talked to Alex and, um, you know, I know he talked to a few others and said, hey, let's just focus on the next 15 minutes. Let's get back and let's just focus on processing the next 15 minutes. We have a responsibility. This is what we got to do. And so I think that's what makes Alan just one of the best coaches in the country, regardless of sport. And can I say how nice it was too? Just as a last comment on these, because we got we we do have a lot more to talk about. Um, you know, there was a little bit of uh, back and forth on social media over the National Player of the Year announcement, and uh, Alex Nikolov, I don't think, could have done any more to prove himself the best player in the country, even at 18 years of age. Um, it was nice seeing his family there, and um, you can certainly see. I remember uh, JJ and I have seen that look from Mike Caffey. You've, you've, seen, you've seen that look from some great Long Beach State athletes over the years of after a big loss where they know they're coming back, just that like, I'm going to start working on this in about an hour, you know, and um, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see that. He does have some room to grow, uh, you know, in, in his block, um, and I think we're certainly going to see that. It was fun. I, I did get a chance to catch up with uh, TJ DeFalco and, and uh, Josh Tuninga and Kyle Ensing were there along with some of those other 18, 19 national championship guys. And um, it's funny. You just talk about um, JJ and I are both enjoying winning time, but you talk about the difference in personalities and, you know, Josh and Kyle are there and they're like, Hey, this is great to be back supporting our alma mater. And TJ is ready to literally rip a row of seats out and throw them on the court. And he's just like, you know, he's like, I'm trying to call timeout so I can sub in. <laughs> and Alex is that personality. I mean, he is just like, there's no, hey, wow, first ever freshman national player of the year. And we made it to the national championship. With the whole, there's none of that. It was just, ugh, I have to get back out and, and get after it again. And I, I thought that was uh, probably something that will come up in the coverage of next year's team, I would imagine. So bad news first, good news second. We got no-nos all over the place at Long Beach State right now. First of all, big shouts to Jerron Watts-Brown. First complete game no-hitter in the history of Long Beach State Dirtbags baseball. That's crazy. 
back in 2015, Matthewson and McCocken uh, both did it. It was a combined no-hitter. I remember covering that game and being like, wait, Long Beach State has never had a no-hitter before? Well, no more. The first one goes to a redshirt freshman. Uh, Watts Brown is a, is a special kid. I, I don't know. I actually know him pretty well. And he's gone through some, uh, through some tough stuff with injuries and everything recently. But he's a three-sport athlete from high school. Shout out three-sport three sport athletes. Uh, and he's just an absolute competitor. He's a bulldog up there, as uh, as Coach Eric Valenzuela said. The way he works, the type of person he is, uh, his attention to detail and stuff like that, how much he really cares, uh, you know, makes it him. He's the type of person who should have the success, basically, is what EP was saying. Um, Andy, I don't know if you've spent any time with Juwan, but uh, he is uh, he's a really good kid and it couldn't have happened to anybody better. A walk away from a perfect game, Andy. Yeah. And, you know, I have gotten a chance to, to get to know him a little bit. And, you know, uh, I think it was maybe like maybe two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, you know, I saw him in the locker room um, and I think it was a Saturday. So he wasn't, he wasn't due to throw, but I, I just said to him, I go, Hey man, you know, we need you and you're going to deliver for us. I mean, and, and I truly believe that it's not like I had a crystal ball or I expected a no hitter, but he's a exceptional athlete. And you mentioned the three sports. I mean, big time recruit could easily be playing quarterback college football right now. Um, you know, he, he's just an unbelievable athlete. And I think he's made a big leap. I, you know, I could be wrong, but his previous start before the weekend, I think he had 10 K's maybe or something like that. Six innings. I think he got a no decision, but um Yeah, he was, a, he was one strikeout away from uh, tying Jared Weaver's record for most strikeouts in a game. I mean, it's just nuts. Right. But I do think you're seeing growth and it's been frustrating. It's been a frustrating year, right. For everybody. But I think we're seeing this young team that we were expecting maybe to gel early and that's taken a little extra time, but it's starting to gel right now. And that's really exciting for the future because this is a young, young team. I mean, you know, so young Eric starting three freshmen, at least maybe four, he's got young pitching. So, you know, sometimes you got to walk through the fire, you know, to, to get to the promised land. And I think that's what this team is doing. They haven't quit. As you can see, they're, 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 they're not going to stop. They're tenacious um, bulldog attitude, like you were saying, and it's really exciting to see, you know, drawn rewarded. And then, you know, Samantha, you know, Sam with, with, with softball, same thing, um, you know, a huge win and a huge no hitter. It's, as you said, you know, as we were talking about earlier, the lowest of lows and the highest of highs. And I was really appreciative um, on the weekend to, to get some pick-me-ups from uh, softball and baseball. Yeah, Samantha Fowler throwing a no-hitter for the Long Beach State softball team to complete the sweep of uh, Cal State Bakersfield, which then puts the softball team in a familiar situation. Obviously, shouts to Fowler. Uh, she has been a rubber arm for them this year. The pitching situation has been the question mark Long Beach State softball team. So to step up like she has in the latter part of the season has helped put this team in a position to once again play Cal State Fullerton on the last weekend of the regular season with a conference title hanging in the balance. I don't know if you guys have heard, but last year it was the most incredible thing of all time. Three straight victories. Kelly White just absolutely dealing to take that title away from the Titans at Long Beach State softball complex. So they have to go to Fullerton, I always think of that meme from Lion King where Mufasa's looking at Simba and he's like, all you can see is your kingdom. And Simba's like, what's that dark place over there? And Mufasa says, that's Fullerton. We never go there. 
it's amazing. And uh, a credit to the athletes and the coaches, you know, early in the season, it was rough. Um, you know, Kim, Coach Souter, she she didn't duck anybody, played one of the toughest schedules out there, strength of schedule. I don't know what it is, but it, I mean, it's got to be very high in terms of where it is in the index. And I talked to her, I said, you know, that's only going to make you stronger when it matters. You know, when, when you've played the best and you've hung in there and survived when it comes to push time, you know, and it's how it usually works in conference. It comes down to that final weekend. And I think the same thing was last year for, for Kim, extremely difficult non-conference schedule. And when it was time, like, okay, someone is going to step up. Somebody is going to step up and put the team on their back. Um, you know, and this year we'll see who it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's Sam, maybe it's somebody else. I don't know, but, um, you know, I, if I was Fullerton, I wouldn't be feeling too good right now because you're going, man, last year we were in the driver's seat, um, and they were in the driver's seat coming into the final weekend. They got swept, I think at Hawaii. And, you know, we, we did what we had to do, which was to get the sweep. And so I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're at home Fullerton, but you've got a team that wants it bad and has been in that position of having to win. That's the difference here. It's, it's not a team that's, you know, for the first time ever facing a, well, you got to win. We got to win two of three. And I don't think that that's a stressful thing for this team. I think this team knows what they have to do. The question is go out there and do it. Right. Yeah. In softball and in baseball, for whatever reason, with those sports, if I were walking into a last weekend, I would rather be the team chasing than the team defending or the, I'd rather be the second place team than the first place team. There's something about that energy. We, we've been covering playoff uh, high school baseball and softball recently. And there's just something about that vibe. If, if you just feel up to it and you're picking each other up, that just seems more powerful. So best of luck to the softball team in Fullerton. Obviously the dirtbags still in action, as we mentioned, they're going to be playing at Bakersfield. Um, we did also talk about track at the beginning. So we will talk more about that with our special guest, the Big West Championships coming up at Davis this weekend. And before we get out of here, got to shout out my guy, Wilson High School alum here locally, senior Tyler Schaefer. After the Big West Championship, he's going to be an at-large bid to compete in the 2022 NCAA Regionals for Long Beach State. So that's great stuff from Schaefer, who has had an absolutely incredible career at Long Beach State. We got to get Schaefer on the show. Producer Roger, let's let's mark that down. We, we got to bring them on. Too many good local kids sticking with Long Beach State and making it a special place that it is. All right. We're very excited to be joined by Long Beach State senior Crystal Washington. Not often that we get a, a goat on the show, but she is the record holder in the triple jump at Long Beach State and uh, has very high aspirations, obviously, for this season. Uh, Long Beach State track and field team. We've got the Big West Championships coming up at UC Davis. That's going to be uh, very soon. NCAA finals coming up uh, that she's hoping to be in as well. Crystal, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So here's my first question. We're, we're track and field guys. We, uh, we greatly enjoy the sport. And I always have to ask triple jumpers, how did you end up triple jumping? Because anytime you watch a lower level triple jumper, it looks like the most awkward of event uh, elite event in all of sports so how did you kind of you know fall into uh finding out that that's what you were really gifted at um so mine is actually kind of a bit of a funny story i thought i was going to be a cheerleader like a professional cheerleader or something 
um, when I got to high school, my mom was like, no, cheerleading is not going to put you through college. And it just so happened that I had ran into the um, track coach there. And he took one look at me and he told my mom, like, she's going to go to college. Like, I'm going to put her in college. <laughs> um, uh, I avoided summer training for the longest. I absolutely hated it coming into high school. Um, and then it just so happened that, like, you know, I ended up being pretty decent at it so then I actually started trying and I ended up being like really good at it and then I became like really really passionate about it and it became something that I love so like I'm very grateful that my mom like pushed for me to do that I think that's like especially with field athletes on the track and field teams I feel like we hear stories like that a lot that's like oh I was a great dancer or I was a cheerleader and so you, there was like there's athletic skill and discipline and training knowledge there but it's not like you were watching the Olympics, watching the triple jumpers going, one day that's going to be me, you know? <laughs> it's oh, often no. kind of like that someone pushed me into it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, uh, Crystal, do you have a tumbling or a gymnastics background? Um, I didn't do gymnastics, but I do have a tumbling background, yes. Do you think that that helped you in the triple jump with like, with like body control? I think that that's a really underrated part of the field events in track and field and how much you really do have to control every every inch of your body. Do you think that helped you? Um, I would say it was a part of my upsweep, but also a little bit of my downfall as well, because I was so used to being a cheerleader. I used to do things like point my toes. So like when I first started triple jumping, I used to have like really bad shin splints because you're not supposed to like land on your toes. And it was a really bad habit for me to break. Yeah, I would say as far as like body control, uh, definitely, it definitely helped me. But I would also say that what helped me the most was that my high school coach, he started me in weight room and like muscles that I worked that I was not working, he made sure to target those muscles. So like it was easier for me to control myself simply because like I was a lot stronger. Right. So, so when you are training like that, and you haven't done the triple jump, which I think would probably be 100% of the people who do triple jump. At one point, they weren't doing it or had maybe had never heard of it. But, uh, but when you do actually get out of the weight room and get out on the track, you know, how do you start training for something like that? I'm assuming they don't actually do three jumps in a row until well down the road. I mean, are you starting at the basis where you're literally learning how to um, amplify your first your second and then ultimately your third? Yeah, that's exactly kind of how that works. Okay. Um, so, but it kind of works backwards for me. I don't know how other coaches did it, but like for me, when I learned, it was more of, I learned my alternating phase before the landing. I learned that phase first because I had to know how to bound in order to be a triple jumper. So I learned that one first and then we went back and then I learned the first to second because it's kind of hard to um, go from first to second, especially if you don't know how to bound. It would just be like a step rather than like a bound. And you don't want to just step like you want to actually be able to jump through one phase at a time, pretty much. So like um, during the summer, like during preseason and stuff, that's how like that would go. We would spend a certain amount of weeks on this and then a certain amount of weeks on that and then bring it all together towards the end, you should know how to put all three phases together. 
so I know the uh, jumps crews are always sort of big personalities. And I know that the Long Beach State crew in particular <laughs> is very fun. We've had uh, Jason Smith on and gotten to talk to some of your teammates. So what is it about that group? What is it? Is it the event that sort of draws like big personality, fun personalities to it? Or like, you know, what, what is it about that event and your guys group that makes it so enjoyable to be a part of? Um, so I would say it's more of like us treating each other like family. Like there's multiple uh, like guys on the team that I treat like my little brothers and or they call me like their auntie or whatever. It's just like we we treat each other like family. We like treat each other with respect. Like that's the number one basis. Um, But I would say that it's just mainly because like we like we joke around, we play around like we're not just friends, but like we're family. Like if we need anything, like we don't hesitate to call each other for anything of that matter in general. yeah, I would say like our personalities really come out simply because like we give each other the space to do that. And yeah. we allow each other to be comfortable enough to be ourselves around one another. Is that uh, is that because of a culture that was established before you got there? Is that something that you and Jason and the other leaders have been a part of? Is that the way that Coach Sheffield and Coach Scythe have kind of run the program? Like what what is it about that group? Because obviously you don't always hear that, what you're describing with you know, college student athletes that they feel comfortable, so comfortable and close with their teammates? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was pretty much kind of um, established because I mean, I transferred in last year, so I was new. Um, Everybody else had pretty much already kind of known each other. So like, for me, it took a while for me to like kind of come out of my shell to everybody. Like once I learned everybody's, you know, characteristics, yeah. And like, you know, yeah. how they operated and everything. Um, it was a little bit more easier for me to like kind of come out. But I feel like it was kind of something that was already established before I got there. And like they woke with me with open arms. Like I say it all the time, like at my the school that I was at previously before I came here, it was not like that for me at all. Like not at all. I felt like I was very alone. I was very like by myself. Yeah. Um, it was just me and my event. And even though like I'm the only female triple jumper here at Long Beach I don't feel like it's just me and my event because even the triple jump guys will come like once like when I'm competing and stuff they come over there and they're like very very supportive and they're clapping and you know they're trying to tell me what I'm doing wrong as if they know what they're talking about but it's just you know it's that kind of environment that just makes you like want to come out of your shell and you know interact with your teammates yeah so, Crystal, you have some really big uh, meets coming up, some championship meets, like Mike mentioned, the Big West, hopefully some good stuff at the NCAA as well. What do you do to get ready for something like that? You know, we talk to so many athletes and some of them are like, I need to stay calm. I need to listen to uh-huh. Jodeci. I know, or, or, or some <laughs> other ones are just like, uh, you know, like put the, uh, put the heavy rock and roll, give me some push it to you or something to get ready. Like, are you trying to pump yourself up before your event or are you trying to stay calm? Um. Are you speaking more of a, from a mental aspect or a physical aspect? Both. Or both. Um, I would say physically um, to keep doing what I'm doing because it's working for me. Um, I don't believe in like making big, big changes before like, you know, big competition and stuff like that, because that's when I kind of throw myself off if I try to make like big changes. But I would say for me, um, mentally, um, I'm done with school right now. So like, that's the least of my worries. I don't have anything to worry about in that aspect anymore. Um, but just mentally, I always go out with the mentality that, 
just because somebody jumps further than me right now doesn't mean that I can't beat them. And that's how I walk into every meet or even if I go to a meet where like I know where it's like I'm like the fan favorite or like I know that I'm going to win. I don't go in with the mentality that, oh, I know that I'm going to win. So, you know, let me not or put myself on a high horse, you know, because at the end of the day, just like I can go and jump 42 feet. So can somebody else. Somebody else could have a really good day or I could go to regionals and someone could be jumping 44 feet and I could go out and pop a 44 foot jump, you know. So I just kind of like to keep myself humble and I go out and I focus on myself. I'm not worried about what the competition is doing or who just jumped what, like, even if like you watch me during competitions in general, you won't see me watching the other girls triple jump or waiting to hear what their marks were because my sole focus is on me and what I'm doing. So as uh, long as I'm focusing on myself, I don't have, I don't have that type of uh, issue with throwing myself off. So do you listen to music when you're not watching the other girls compete? Um, like to warm up and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What, what's yes. your go, what's your go-to music to warm up to? Um, it kind of depends on like what my vibe is that day. So sometimes I like to listen to like, um, like Adele and stuff like that, like really, really calming music. And then sometimes it's like very, very like Kendrick Lamar or, uh, Drake or, Chris Brown, like it just really depends on like my mood or like what I'm going for um, that day. Um, or sometimes it'll be like Tupac, you know, like he's not talking anything about sports or, you know, whatever, but it's just like, it's something that like I relate to. Um, so I don't know, it just really kind of depends on the day. There's not uh, like one specific song that I go to. I like that, I like that. I'd, I'd go to Troublesome, Troublesome 96. Because they, they fear me in the physical form. You know yes. what I mean? Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Crystal, it's winning time. As we mentioned, you've got uh, the Big West Championships this weekend at UC Davis, and then uh, hopefully a nice long uh, trip through the NCAAs after that. And uh, we'll be following all the way along at the562.org and wishing you luck and health and, uh, and, a, and a great postseason. Excited to see what you do this year. Thank you. Great interview. Thank you again to Crystal Washington. As we get out of here, we got to do our now for something completely different. Andy, we were talking about it before we started recording. We're talking ice cream today. If you had to have one ice cream, only one flavor for the rest of your life, and don't cheat and say uh, Neapolitan or whatever. Um, you only have one, right? So it's got to be the fancy ice cream. It's got to be the cone ice cream. It's got to be the Sunday ice cream. It's got to work for all of that because you can only eat one for the rest of your life. What is it? May I ask some parameters questions before we jump into answering? You know I was prepared for that. This is your wheelhouse, bro. Go for it. So we're picking not just a flavor, but also the brand of ice cream, correct? Yes, I think that's fair. Do we have to stick to one preparation style or are we free to mix up cones and toppings? No, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying it's one base ice cream. What you do, do after that is the only, is is up to you. But you can, if you want to do the cone for the ice cream, you're also going to have to use that same ice cream for your milkshake. Excellent. Okay. Man, Mike's all, Mike's already in his own head right now. I can I'm miles away from this guy, and I can hear the grinding <laughs> ears in his head. Andy, what do you got? I mean, that is that's a tough one. Um, I will say this is, I guess, a plug. Uh, although there's no no endorsements or anything like that, but Cold Stone Creamery. Um, was always kind of a go-to in college, especially Cold Stone Creamery. Um, I would go with probably cake batter. 
Oh, interesting. I would go with cake batter. Okay. Is, is that something you found back in the day or recently? Yeah, no, back in the day. I think one time <laughs> I, I think I was like, what is that? I guess I'll try it. You know, um, and I'm not usually like with ice cream. I, I've never been like person's going to try all 31 flavors or something like that. I've probably been anchored into probably the, the, the most normal ones that everybody talks about. Um, but I don't know what it was. It was like something, somebody said something, I was in line. I don't know if it was someone that worked behind the counter or someone next to me got it or something. And I just went, what the heck is cake batter? And, uh, ever since then, I've just been a huge fan of cake batter, but you know, I, I could go on, but you know, cake batter with some toffee, man, that that's uh, heaven for me. Are, are you a fan of the singing? I, I know this is like a sidebar to a sidebar question, but what, what's your take on uh, people working in the service industry being forced to sing to you while they serve you? I don't like that. And I always say that I'm like, look, if you really want to sing great, but I said, please, um, you do not need to do that for me. Can I, um, can so I tell you not to sing to me, please? Really, I, I, mean, it, you know, I appreciate the effort. And, you know, I mean, honestly, if, if they're like a future, uh, you know, we're going to study drama in college or something like great. But I am, I also kind of go like, man, if that was Andy behind the counter, he don't want any part of that. You know, he'll do it if he has to, but I don't want people to have to do that for me. Trust me. There's, there's no need for that. I, I respect it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get out of the way for Mike's uh, monologue. He's about to drop on this. Um, oh, oh, sorry. And I would go waffle cone. I would definitely go. Oh, waffle that's fair. Cone with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, I'm going to say store brand. So, you know what I'm talking about? Either Vaughn's or premium Ralph's, select, <laughs> premium select store brand moose tracks. Okay. I, I don't even want to explain it. If you know what, it, if you know, you know, moose tracks, store brand moose tracks. And I'm a cup guy. I'll go. I'll go cup. All right, Mike. Let it, let it be known that your answer was just as stereotypical to you as my answer <laughs> will be to you. <laughs> I can't explain it to anyone, but I feel I feel like that's exactly what I would have guessed yours was going to be. It's like it's, I think uh, we've talked about this before, and my answer <laughs> has never changed. I am stalwart. <laughs> Uh, well, so this is not my favorite, but if I was going to go with one for the rest of my life, the one that I think is the most versatile and the highest quality that I he could eat, question. I could eat every week would be the, the base chocolate ice cream from Haagen-Dazs. Wow. I think is wow. the, it's the best, like you could have it in a waffle cone. You could have it in a cheap cone. You could have it in a bowl. You could have it in a cup. You could do it with toppings, like, but it's perfect. It's just like if you if you go to an Italian place, like I want to see what your spaghetti and meatballs is like. Like if you can do the simple stuff the best, and that Haagen Dazs chocolate ice cream is literally perfect. Fair play, fair play. Favorite ice one. cream would be Baskin Robbins peanut butter and chocolate. I knew you were gonna get that in there. So <laughs> uh, great, great, great uh, week, great episode. Good stuff going on all over the place at Long Beach State, and we're always here to cover it at the LBF show. So thank you to producer Roger for putting this thing together. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, LB Nation. It was an absolute scene at Poly Pavilion, no matter the result. So way to get out there. And there are still more games to go to. Softball, baseball, obviously track. Get out there and hang out with us. We'll see you in the stands very soon, Long Beach. Take care.